This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Happy birthday to you. Hey, where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, welcome along here to the last Saturday broadcast in the month of March. That's true. And also, you should explain that you're not really a sous chef. Someone asked you that. They did. Well, my wife would die of laughter if anyone ever seriously referred to me as a sous chef. I can do a steak on a barbecue, and that's about it. Well, there you go. So you're not really a chef. You're a sous chef of the garden. Sous chef of the garden. Yeah, under gardener, as you like to refer to me. That's better. Way down there in the list of things. Uh, And, oh, uh, a fond farewell on this show to Dan Ellison, our producer. He's moving Mm. out to PEI. Be going out in the next couple of days. Yeah, back. And uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful problem. It's gorgeous, and Dan and I know we'll have a good time out there. Send and lobster. Abs- oh, yeah, send lobster. Never mind anything else, <laughs> just send lobster. And a fond hello to James Patrick Dooley, who will be taking over. And for, I challenge uh, Frank to say James you know, Patrick Dooley without a little. I can't do it. I, I cannot say James Dooley without <laughs> a little touch of the Irish there. So uh, forgive me. Yes, James. I was going to say. Okay. All right. Announcements. Yes, go right. Oh, yes. Uh, I'll give phone, phone numbers, numbers first. Okay. okay. See, I know my job. Okay. one four one six three six zero zero seven forty. That's for folks in the Toronto area. And then anywhere else in the province, one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. And the motto is mantra. a little credo, motto. mantra, whatever you want to call it. Our direct order from above here. Uh, call early, call often. One question per call. There we go. Thank you. Well done. <clears throat> Thank you. Okay. Bunch of things going on because, of course, it's that time of year. Well, yeah. As you point out, end of March, we're launching into all the spring events and mm-hmm. obviously some lovely weather. Ne- starting next weekend, there's a whole bunch of things going on. One is a reminder that the first ever Canadian Master Gardener Conference is taking place next weekend, 5th to 7th at Deerhurst Resort. You're going to be there, of course. Actually, I'm not. I'm going to be at what? the Sarnia Home Show. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> it's hard to be everywhere. Uh, so, um, But that is open to the public if you're mm-hmm. interested. It's going to be lots of, obviously, lots of good stuff going on. More information, check out Magoy, M-G-O-I, nationalconference.ca There was an Irish company at first but no way and as I mentioned I will be at the Sarnia Home Show next weekend Mm -hmm. on Sunday at both 1pm and 3pm giving a couple of um, presentations and what else is going on we got a million things 
it's got to be offering up dissertation somewhere else. Uh, oh, you in know In the backyards it. of folks that have hired you to come out and landscape their lots, as it were. As it were, landscape yes. their lots. <laughs> After I'm in Sarnia on the Monday... I will be at the South Huron Recreation Centre, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be uh, speaking about the wheelbarrows of South Huron Creative Gardening Contest. So I'm going to be giving tips and, and ideas on uh, how to do it, how to win the contest. It's a very pretty poster. I just well, printed it in black it is, and white. Yeah. But uh, there is a contest, and I'm there to be the, the go-to, give ideas and get the juices flowing person. So that's all going on next weekend and Monday. Then also on Wednesday, April the 10th, the Burlington Hort Society will have a general meeting, 7.30 p.m., Burlington Senior Center, 2285 New Street at Drury Lane. The speaker is Theo Blom. He's a horticulturalist. He's speaking about peonies, a hobby grown out of hand. And there's lots of refreshments, and of course, everyone is welcome. Um, I'm just trying to think how to do this in some kind of order. Okay, so that's Monday, next Monday, April 8th. The Agent Court Garden Club is having their monthly meeting. The topic, it says, is dessert contest, cookies contest. I don't know. You're, you're looking at me like I should know what you're talking about. But the speaker <laughs> is Martin Galloway. Now, Martin Galloway is a really smart guy. He knows everything about everything. So, But he's going to speak about cookies. Cookies. Yeah. Knox United Christian <laughs> Education Center. Something doesn't make sense on this. The location, 2575 Midland Avenue in Agent Court. Uh, For more information, you can go to the website, gardenontario.org, free refreshments and parking. If I were to give you a compliment, I'd say, uh, as a professional pronouncer, wonderful prep. (laughs) Oh, Oh. I can tell. Uh Ah, Did you want... um, Yeah, okay. Uh, This Thursday, April the 4th, I am giving this out of order, but at least I'm giving you lots of information. (laughs) Sorry, when I wrote it down, I missed a few things, so I got little pieces of paper everywhere. So this Thursday, April 4th, 6 p.m., the Toronto Botanical Garden will be hosting their annual general meeting. Of course, everyone is invited, or members are all invited, to attend. Looking back at the tribulations and triumphs of 2012, there will be new members of the board uh, being nominated and elected. Um, The AGM is immediately followed by the TBG lecture, Longwood Gardens, A Century of Inspiration. Paul B. Redman is the director of Longwood Gardens, and he's going to explain how a botanical garden maintains its legacy and remains relevant and prepared for the future. So Paul Redman will be relating how a small farm purchased by Pierre S. Dupont in 1906, all to save a collection of historic trees, became one of the world's greatest horticultural displays. Well, there you go. That sounds pretty interesting. So that's this Thursday. And one final little note, please uh, let uh, Dan or James know uh, when you call in if you're a first-time caller, because this will shortly follow. That means <laughs> you've landed. Uh, you're, you're like Clarence, you know, in the movie. Yeah. All righty? Yep, I'm ready. Okay. That's enough from, from me. That's enough for you. All right. 9.13 <laughs> our time. We'll be back with the callers already lined up by the boys uh, right after these words. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. There's my little cardinal. There are a lot of cardinals around. Mm, yeah. A lot of cardinals in my backyard. Oh, I, I heard a woodpecker uh, on, a, on a tree just uh, around the St. Clair area. St. Clair and, oh, gee... 
uh, near Castle Loma. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was just coming down. I had the window open. And this guy was going at that tree like you wouldn't believe. When are, they don't, I don't know why they don't get headaches. Headaches, they do. Yeah, it's they just incredible. Anyway, uh, well, we get ready to get back to the show here because Sharon from West Lorne is on the line. And before you get uh, into your question, where the heck is East Lorne? <laughs> Hi, Sharon. I have no idea. <laughs> okay. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Sharon. A beautiful morning. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what I'm calling about is a Thai plant. Mm-hmm. I've had the original plant for, oh, it must be 37 years. Oh, wow. It finally, um, the mother plant finally dissipated, and I've got little shoots coming up. Um, the cat ate them off, and I've saved it and kept watering it, and there was more shoots come up. I put a um, uh, two-liter uh, Coke bottle over top of it. <laughs> Protect it from the cats. To keep them away from the cats. Yeah. <laughs> put holes in the top, uh-huh. put it down over top of the shoots, and it's growing. Mm-hmm. There's about five little uh, shoots. Well, they're not little. The one's about, oh, maybe nine inches high, and it ranges down to about... Um, two and a half inches high. I've got five of them. Now, I'd like to know, it's in quite a big pot because the mother plant was quite big and I kept transplanting it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd like to know how to divide these little plants and uh, repot them in another smaller pot. Hmm. Uh, Well, there's a couple things you could do. One is, it sounds like you've probably got quite a mass of roots there from the original mother plant. But as you point out, you've got multi-little shoots coming up from those roots. So you could uh, lay out some newspaper, uh, lay the whole pot on its side, and pull the whole plant out of the pot. Once you've done that, you're going to get a better sense of the root mass versus all these little shoots. Then, with a very sharp knife, you would slice the... Yeah, between the shoots, and as long as there's some root and some shoot attached, yes. each of what each of those little offsets that you're going to slice off is a plant. Okay. You would have to have some small pots ready to go yes. to yes. repot. Um, the other thing is you might end up with just an awful lot of unnecessary roots. So if the you know the shoot is only two inches tall, but the roots are you know two feet long, yes. then I would cut the roots back. Okay. And then repot each of these little, they're called offsets, yes. um, separately into pots and start the whole thing again with, you know, multi-plants. Okay. You could do that. The other way you could do it, and sort of avoid the mess, is let them grow for a, another month or so yeah, and then take, take cuttings. Take the Coke bottle top off, the cats are going to get them. <laughs> the cats. <laughs> cats are really funny, eh? Yeah. They just rule the roost. Um well, you're right. That's going. That's always going to be your challenge. You're you're going to have to keep protecting these plants from the cats. Do your cats go outside at all? Oh, I can. No, they don't. You, have you ever grown cat grass for the cats? No, I haven't. I've heard of it. Because I grow that for my cat. It's the best way to get, keep my cat out of the plants. Yes. This is the time of year where the cats really do start chewing the house plants. Yeah, they do. Uh, I never know whether it's they th- they need vitamins or they're just eating their fur is starting to come out and they want to keep the fur moving through. <clears throat> Excuse me, and the fiber in the plants helps keeping the the cat hairballs from piling up in their guts. Yeah. So I you know I don't really know why they do it, but they do really start chewing the plants. And cat grass really works. Okay. So consider that as a way to protect your uh, Thai plant as well. Okay. 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 Thanks a lot, Sharon. Thank much. Take care of West Lorne, and we'll both try and search for East Lorne at some point, okay? <laughs> 9.19 our time here at AM 740, uh, as we welcome Norman from Brantford to the line. Good morning, Norman. Good morning, Frank. Morning. Good morning, Charlie. 
Hi, I have a question about, I just moved here to Brantford almost, quite, not quite a year ago yet, but uh, I've got four catalpa trees, and they seem like, I'm sorry, eight catalpa trees, and they seem like they're grafted trees. Uh-huh. Now, when do I start trimming those, like cutting them back? Usually those are cut back in the fall if they are what I think they are. So when they, we say they're grafted, it's not a huge big tree. It's actually a small ornamental tree. Yes, uh, Single- they're probably only about, I don't know, I'm just, I can see four of them from here. They're probably 10 feet tall, maybe yeah. at the most. And it's a single straight stem. Single straight stem, and it's just that the, the shoots just go straight out, mm-hmm. you know. And right now they probably look like a big floppy mess. Well, yeah, they're just nothing, you know. Yeah, well, there's no leaves, obviously. How long are this, the branches? Well, probably three feet. Yeah. Four feet, three okay. Feet, so feet. yeah. So they they may have been trimmed last, like prior to you moving well, see, in. I moved here last June, and that, they had been all done, and they were just almost just like a ball with little stubs on it. That's though. right. Yeah. So you can cut them now, or you know, anytime. Like today is a good day because it's nice and dry and sunny. Yeah. So certainly you could be cutting them today, uh-huh. uh, cutting them back, or um, well, you want to cut them at some point before the new growth starts. Otherwise, instead of having three foot stems, you're going to have ten foot stems, and they are going to look like a real mess. Yeah. So it's an ongoing annual duty, either late fall or early spring, cut them way back. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, I've got four... Uh I've got four other ones here. Mulberry. Well, they might just break the dead wood out from underneath them. Yes. They're weeping mulberries, I assume? Yes. Okay. And they are grafted also. They are grafted also. Yeah. Uh, you Two things. One is you're going to remove dead wood. Don't break, but cut out dead wood. Uh-huh. Also, mulberries tend to get very, very dense. So when there's no leaves and you can really see what's going on in all that branching, I would be cutting some of it away. Up to a third can be removed at any one time. Uh-huh. So just... Uh, You'll do it partially for the health of the plant, so you know air and sun can penetrate, so it's just not a tangled mess. Yeah. The other thing is mulberries will end up right down to the ground, weeping right down and then literally growing like on the ground. Well, I know last summer I did when they got fairly long, I started cutting some of them off, you know, when they were growing pretty long. Yeah, so, but it's usually better to do your trimming in the spring. So I would cut them up. Like, I would bring them right up a, a good two, three feet off the ground uh-huh. and recognize that they're going to grow two to yeah. three feet and be back down to the ground by the end of the summer. Yes. And the spring is definitely the time to do that as well. Okay, good. Great. Thank you. And by the way, you can tell Luby Zymer I'm also a pancreatic cancer survivor. Oh, oh good okay. for you. Yeah, for, good. For, from uh, 2000. No, so 2001, I was operated on in, wow. in Hamilton. So you can, she said the same thing, didn't she? Yes, I think so. My golly, yeah. good, yes. good for you. Good yes. for you. Yeah. Anyway, thanks very much. All Thank right, you. thank Happy you so Easter. much. Thank you. Take Bye. care, Norman. Uh, phone numbers to the show once again in Toronto, 416-360-0740. Anywhere else in the province, 866-740-4740. And right now, we're going to help you get rid of that WF, uh, winter flab, uh, <laughs> by doing a little bit of exercises. Yes. Oh, we don't have winter flab. We've I don't been know about you, but I, I do. Winter. <laughs> well, the, yes, of course. If you we, want to keep active, you want to keep pain free, and Charlie is here to tell it, you how to do that. Well, that's exactly what Frank is talking about when he's saying staying active. One of the ways that Frank and I do stay active and pain free is by taking a daily dose of Sierra Sill. 
completely natural mineral supplement, which taken daily does seem to relieve joint aches and pains, whether it's in your knees or your wrists or anything. Uh, any moving body parts will move more smoothly with Sierra Sill. Now you can learn more at their website, sierrasill.ca, or give them a call, one eight seven seven joint 14 or pick up Sierra Sill at many of your local health food stores. S-I-E? No. S- no, you're right. Yeah, yeah that's right. S-I-E. You threw me. I thought you were going to go on with some more of the, those locations. S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. <laughs> Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Well, Charlie, at 924, let's welcome Catherine to the line here from Toronto. Good morning, Catherine. Good morning, Frank, and good morning, Charlie. Morning. Thank you for taking my call. Um, My problem is I have huge maple trees, over 50 years old, Mm -hmm. and a lot of cedar hedges. And on one side, my cedar hedge is growing as far as the shade from the maple tree, and then it stops, yeah, and the in cedars the shade. won't grow, yeah. and then the cedars start on the other side yeah. of the maple tree. I'm asking whether you think I should give up on the cedars that are in the shade and put, say, a lattice fence up against the chain-link fence that's there, or is there anything that might grow better than the cedars in that condition? Great question. And actually, what you're struggling with, I too have been struggling with, uh, for the last number of years. Uh, I have cedars growing in the shade of a Norway maple, and they're scrawny and skinny and weak and, and not good plants. Oh! So what I've decided to do is to eliminate the cedars entirely and replace with yews. With which? Yews. Y-E-W-S. Oh. Okay, is the common name, or taxis is the correct name or proper name, for plants that will grow as a hedge in the shade. In, oh, so but you're right. I mean, so you have two options. One is you've got the good-looking cedars. Put yews in between. Mm. Might look a bit odd though to have the two, you know, kind of patchwork of cedar and then yew and then cedar. So your idea of something so, uh, like a tr- um, a screen, whatever kind of a screen, uh, is might be even better. You know, might even just look better too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you could grow on that some. Uh, a, a, uh, vine of one kind or another that grows in shade. I could, could I put euonymus up against it? Yeah. Would yeah. euonymus grow in that much shade? Yeah, euonymus will grow in the shade. Not oh. a problem. And there's plain green. There's green and white, green and yellow, which can really brighten up a shady spot. Put in oh. the, one of the variegated euonymus. Uh-huh. Sure, that would work. Now, okay, when you mention the U, can you give me any idea over the phone? How does it compare in shape and color with the uh, cedar? Well, it's an evergreen, same as the cedar, so dark green, uh, new growth being bright green. Uh-huh. Uh, the variety you would buy if you were thinking about hedging with a U is the Hicks U, so H-I-C-K-S. H-I-C-K-S, Because okay. they'll stay narrow and they grow very t- um, upright. They're not wide plants, they're narrow <clears throat> and make a good hedge. You can trim them any way you like, similar to a cedar. Uh-huh. Trim them for to, to support the most dense thick growth possible, trim the tops, trim the sides, and that way, you know, fill in that and, and, you know, create that privacy that you're looking for. And they wouldn't 
succumb the, to the fact that they're not get that the maple tree is taking the nourishment. Well, every plant is going to struggle be, with the established maple, with the huge root system that's already the big bully in the neighborhood, right? The sure. dominant, more established plant will always take the nutrient, take the moisture first. So give them more. Uh, uh, Evergreen feeder, like cedar feeder? Yeah, you should be feeding, um, excuse me, any of your plants in the spring, including the cedars. Mm -hmm. Uh, You should also be, when you're doing any planting or just on principle, consider amending the soil around things like your established cedars with some compost or some triple mix, just some good organic material to help the plants, you know, be healthy and uh, in the struggle or the competition, if you will, uh, with the big trees. Yes, Oh, okay. that's wonderful. I, I'm so glad. It sounds there's hope for it. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's hope. So much. <laughs> Thanks, Catherine. All right. Okay, thank you for joining the show here. Uh, AM 740 Zoomer Radio. It's the Charlie Dobbin Show, and I'm Frank Proctor, the sous chef. And we have sous chef of the garden. Uh, uh, yes. Not a chef, just a just, just sous the, gardener. I'm the undergardener. <laughs> I am the un- Keep stressing that. Mm. Uh, Angela's <laughs> calling in from Brampton. Good morning, Angela. Good morning, Frank and Charlie. Morning. Hi, how are you? Love your show. Thank you. Yeah, um, the question I want to ask is about an orchid mm-hmm. that I have, and the blooms have all gone off already, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't know where to cut it. It says to cut it, and I don't know whether I should cut it down where the leaves are or leave the stalk sticking out. Well, you know, it's a good point. Ultimately, you are going to remove that flower stem right down where the leaves are. Oh, you do? Yes, but right now, when you look at that stalk, is it all kind of wrinkly and brown on the tip, or is it still very green? It's still green. Okay. I would actually leave it for a little while. Sometimes those flower stalks will miraculously send another little fork off Another little, you know, sort of bud will emerge and more flowers will will arise. So I know it might look a little funny right now, but I would just leave it alone until it starts to shrivel. Because it will at some point tell you that it's done by shriveling on the tip. Okay, so when the top of it starts shriveling, Mm -hmm. that's when I cut it down at the the, the Right to the base, yep. Okay, thank you so very oh, much. You're very welcome. Frank, you can ring the bell even though I'm oh. not a first caller. Oh, but it's nice <laughs> to get those wings anyway. <laughs> I've been asked about this bell, I must admit, Angela, and it's about the size of the Liberty Bell. <laughs> it takes us about, oh, three hours to get it in the studio here. <laughs> Honest to Pete. <laughs> thanks, okay. thanks for calling my love. Thank you. You too. And a happy Easter to you as well. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Dave is on the line now from Hamilton. Hiya, Dave. Good morning. Good morning, Dave. Yes, I was wanted to ask about trimming back uh, blue spruce and cedar trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, how far back could I cut them? <laughs> okay, so that's actually two questions. <laughs> the blue spruce, you don't do any trimming until the new growth starts to grow. So, of uh, course... So, okay. So in the, what blue spruces do is they get little tiny buds on yeah. all the tips, and then those little buds start to expand. Now, we're not going to see that probably for a number of weeks right. still, but it will happen soon. At that point, you can do some trimming of your blue spruce. Okay. But you can't do radical trimming without really losing the shape of the plant. Yeah. I would recommend that you uh, look at either a book or the internet for some uh, suggestions on how to trim a spruce properly and to try and maintain its proper form. It's very easy to mess that up. Is it the blue spruce just 
getting too big, making it impossible to get in the front door kind of problem? Yes, it's getting too wide. Yeah. Yeah. And what's it interfering with, the driveway or walkway? Yes, uh, uh, the driveway, well, actually the walkway as well. Yeah. yeah. I know. It's, it happens all the time. Sweet, yeah, mixed sweet. emotions. You want to get in the house, but you don't want to ruin the tree. You well, know? absolutely. Right. I know somebody it's, who changed you know, their front door. About uh, 28 years. Yeah. Oh, really? Somebody changed the front door, Charlie, is yeah. in here. Yeah. Oh, it's a well, that's lovely the, plant, it's but the it's problem. Yeah. very wide. And, you know, it's one of those things where we fall in love with the little puppy way back when it was planted. It was, you know, two or three feet tall. And, of course, 28 years later, now it's the Great Dane. Yeah. So it, <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah. it happens. They grow. Yeah, so no. what sometimes people will do, and I never recommend it, is that removing the lower branches. Uh-huh. And that way you're trimming up, so you're yeah. making clearance to get below the blue spruce. <laughs> yeah. But it's not good. You don't want to do it because all kinds of pitch starts weeping through all those um, pruning wounds. And it's very messy. It's very hard on the spruce because uh-huh. properly a spruce wants to be branched right to the ground. Okay. Uh, now, again, perhaps an arborist could help you. It's maybe worth considering having an arborist come on the property to yeah, right. give you a quote on what, it, what they could do and how they would do it and what they yeah. would charge you. Yes. You asked about a cedar. Is this a single cedar or a hedge? No, it's a cedar hedge. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of those trees are, uh, oh, maybe 30 feet. Oh. <laughs> that's big. Wow. Yeah. Well, and you see, the trick with a cedar hedge that's that big and that old is you really can't do, you can't, if you top it, which sometimes people want to do, they want to bring it back down to 10 feet tall. Yeah. It doesn't really work. It, no. the, it, it's you take off. The stalks way, are too fat. That's too right. Too thick. old. Yeah. There's just not enough um, sort of energy in that lower part of the plant to fill in uh, yeah. the big wounding that is caused. Even the trimming back, you know, because it, but if it's thirty feet tall, you these plants are probably you know six or eight feet wide. Uh-huh. You can take them back, but not dramatically. You know, you can take them back a few inches in terms of the width of the plant, yeah. uh, and of course, even the tops. Yeah, you can take a few feet off. These yeah, sound like old guys, huh? About the top. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And again, an arborist is because with that size and age of plants, I would recommend bringing an arborist okay. onto the property. All right. Uh, and that trimming again would take place around in June sometime. So, yeah. all of this, all these evergreens are trimmed early in the season when they're actively growing. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Thank uh, you. Th- the other thing was uh, I have a pair and a, and Whoops, a couple uh, of I'm sorry, apples. Dave, I'm sorry. <laughs> we, we, you kind of snuck in there, too, on us, and I put my ticket book away, but um, uh, we can't allow three <laughs> questions. Oh, it's oh. one question per call, okay? But okay. call back. Mm-hmm. Call back. Always welcome to do that, okay? Will do. Thanks. Yeah, thank you, Thanks, pal. Dave. All righty. You're listening to The Garden Show here at AM 740, 9.34 the time on a beautiful Saturday. Clifford in from Welland. Hiya, Clifford. Hi, how's it going? Good. Morning. Morning. Um, I want to ask about planting some seeds. Um, I moved here about five years ago. I got a huge lot, so every year my uh, garden tends to get bigger and bigger. <laughs> of course, the price for seedlings mm-hmm. gets bigger. So I, this year I decided to start planting some seed mm-hmm. inside. Mm-hmm. And one I ordered from a seed catalog, mm-hmm. and when I opened the corn package... Uh, the corn wasn't yellow kernels like I expected. It actually had some kind of pink coating on it, mm-hmm. and it mar- was marked on a package, wear gloves. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering if that meant this is that sort of genetically modified stuff that you can't reuse seeds from your plants the next year. Uh, that's very likely. Uh, corn, if you look at the package, there's probably a name on it, something like you know, Sugar Daddy or something like that. The cultivars are 
are, well, you, you're absolutely right. They do not breed true. So you're not going to save corn seed from year to year when you are dealing with hybrid varieties, which is likely what you're dealing with there. The inoculant that's on the pink on the corn, I believe that that is a fungicide that they've put on it. But you know what? I should double check that. Some seeds are inoculated for different reasons. And um, yeah, when they say wear gloves, it's because they have treated it with something. It should say on the package what it's been treated with and why. I didn't seem to find that. Yeah. I thought maybe because this particular package came from the States. I ordered a bunch and they came from all over the world, mm-hmm. uh, you know, originally from and i figured being american maybe they have that you know genetically altered stuff well yeah gen- i mean yeah genetically modified is a is a really big term <clears throat> genetically modified usually means the plant has been mo- literally genetically modified through modification of dna right. that can be done using things like um laser therapy and radiation that can be done in laboratories where they're actually sitting there, you know, chromosome by chromosome. Most of the seeds that we buy and plant have not been genetically modified, but they have been selected. So the difference between selecting the best just by growing thousands of plants and selecting the best and naming those and making those the ones we grow versus genetically modifying is not that great a difference. It's still trying to always get the best, whether it's the plant that grows the tallest or has the biggest flowers or grows the biggest fruit in the case of vegetables and fruits. We're always selecting for the best, and um, it's how that selection takes place, which can be quite controversial. Right, because, like, I figured I'd just, you know, plant, like, let's say, 20 ears of corn, keep one for next year and use my own seeds again. And then next year, invest in a different kind of plant or something. Okay, so two things. One is corn must cross-pollinate, so you need at least two different varieties of corn. I have two different. Good. Uh, And the idea of saving seeds, I totally get it. I just don't think you'll necessarily be successful if you're working with hybrid corn because the, the, the genes in a hybrid plant do not reproduce the same. The, the, the corn that comes off the corn will not match the parent. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but you know what? We're, if you're really interested in doing seed saving, you need to get involved in seedy Saturdays <laughs> and seed swaps and, and some of the heritage varieties, which are absolutely um, breeding true varieties, not high-tech hybrid varieties. It would cost a lot less, too, in some cases. Well, that's right. Just from that saving perspective, it definitely would save you a lot of money over the long run. And there's many people like you who are doing just that, wanting to save seed from year to year and, and, you know, sort of pass these things down often to children and grandchildren. Uh, so some of these kind varieties. of like a club or something. Yeah. Yeah, there are seed swaps, and you're in Welland. Seed swaps usually are in February, but do Google, just Google Seedy Saturdays or seed swaps. They, and there's even seedy Sundays where these whole swapping things take place. And I think you'll find there'll be something in your area, likely in the St. Catharines area, uh, that may have already happened, but it'll give you something to look forward to for next year. Okay, great. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank Thanks you. for your call. Okay. Have a great uh, day and a great weekend uh, this Easter weekend, Clifford. You too. And thank you so much. 9.39 our time. Uh, right about now, we're just going to hold on to things for a second because I do have to... I'm going to start out very gently. I often make them stay 
like when I do exercises to your go go hung, you know, uh, at it. You know, Gung ho. That's it. Yeah. What, what did I say? Go hung. Uh, whoa. All right. <laughs> Let me back off that statement uh, real quick. <laughs> Uh, my finger, my finger. I'm, just, just, I'm doing push-ups with my fingers. <laughs> you know, we do. We just have too much fun. I, I mean, it's amazing. Well, was it true that George Grant, the president and CEO, actually said to you as we were touring the new Zoomerplex, uh, yeah, where we we're moving? We should be paying him. We should be paying him. Because <laughs> we have too much fun. We have fun. too much fun on the radio. Well, that's a heck of a note. <laughs> well, that's... Anyway, what we're really giggling about here is that Frank is doing his gung-ho exercises. Thank goodness he's not wearing his spandex. Yeah, that's a good thing. You're right. Um, however, he's that active and that pain-free because he has taken his daily dose, which we both take, of Sierra Sil. All right, it's a completely natural mineral supplement, comes from the Sierra Mountains, and just for by some magical means makes joints much work much more smoothly and with far less pain. If you have any issues with ankles, knees, wrists, hands, any of that stuff, and you want to stay active, golfing season's coming. Certainly gardening season is right there on the horizon. We want to get out there walking, jogging, and in your case, doing finger push-ups. Yes. Need to take that Sierra Sill. For more information, give them a call, one eight seven seven joint 14 Check them on the web, sierrasill.ca, or pick up Sierra Sill at many of your local health food stores. And, of course, go hung means in Vietnamese, have a wonderful weekend. And <laughs> if you'd like to... Or so you pretend it. Yes, of course. Um, S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, stalks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And foot in muff Proctor here, uh, the sous chef of the garden, as we welcome... Uh, Wait. Hmm? Wait. What? I just want to give an update from our last caller. Wait. Remember All right. Clifford was talking about... See how about... I jump when she talked? Wow. Well. Yeah, that was good. Well, <laughs> I only had to say it three times. Uh, Clifford <laughs> called a few minutes ago about seeds, starting seeds, wanting yeah, to yeah. save seeds, but then he mentioned he had received some pink seeds. Ah. <clears throat> pink corn seeds. Uh, I mentioned, uh, and handle with care is right on the package, or wear gloves. So here's what it is. It's alkyl methyl mercury compound. Holy cow. Yeah. So why is that pink stuff on the corn? Because it is a fungicide. The corn seeds have been treated with this fungal fungicide compound, which contains mercury. So that's why you wear gloves. Now, why do, are we trying to protect our seeds from fungus is because damping off is a very common disease that happens to little seedlings as they're sprouting. They'll suddenly keel right over because damping off has attacked the young seedlings. Now, that's why they put the fungicide on to prevent damping off. However, you if you can get untreated corn seed, I would recommend that. And number two, wait until your, your soil is warm enough that the damping off is unlikely to be a problem. It, damping off happens in cold, moist soil. So wait until your soil has warmed up before you get any seeds out there. And so... 
when you used to buy, I don't know whether it's still available, pink elephant popcorn mm, uh, that has thing. nothing to do with the <laughs> ethyl hydrate uh, formula you're talking about it there. It might. No. You never know. Okay. okay. Uh, I have a little note on my screen here that yes. says Margaret's calling in from Innisville, and the note that accompanies that is ants on raspberries. No, nothing about the uncles at all, but <laughs> we'll find out what else is going on there. Hello there. Good morning. <laughs> Hi, Margaret. Good morning, Margaret. Are you there, Margaret? Do we lose Margaret? I don't know. Uh, the ants, on the, I hope they haven't gotten to her. My gosh. Oh, <laughs> oh there you are. Wretched ants. There you go. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm uh, calling about uh, the ants and the raspberries. I'm new to uh, the raspberries. I planted them three years ago. Mm-hmm. And last year I had food, uh, fruit rather, nonstop, well into August. Wow. But also... Um, ants, little wretched biting ants. Oh. And so even in the hot days, you had to um, wear long pants, wear long sleeves and gloves and boots to try to get in there and get the fruit. And I'm just wondering, does that happen with raspberries or? No, it's probably more just a kid, not specifically raspberries. I mean, other than the fact that raspberries are full of lots of sugar and sweet juices. And, of course, many insects will go a long ways to right. get a hold of some of that sweet uh, sap. So I would think that what you've probably got is just, um, you know, kind of a perfect storm of un- unfortunate situation, circumstances such that the ants made a home or two right in the area. And were you able to trace back to where the hill is or where they were coming from? No, they, they only seem to be in the raspberries. I have... Um my little vegetable plots. Uh, I tried to follow the square foot gardening and made four by four be- uh, four by four beds, mm-hmm. and the raspberries are in one of those. Right, and the other three quadrants appear to be ant free. Yes. And when you and you, how long have you lived in this area in this house? Or oh, you, I've had this house twelve years. Okay. But the raspberries just went in three years. Three ago. years ago, and you've never seen this ant problem prior to on any other plants or any other part nope. of the garden. No. Nope. Hmm. Not like this. I mean, you get the occasional ant, but these yeah. are little ones, and they bite. I know. You know what? There's and you're in Innisfil. It's a good question. What I see the reason I'm kind of pausing on this is the um, fire ants. Oh, those are devils, aren't those they? Those are real devils, and they're really yeah. small and they're really nasty, and they are in our neighborhood because Innisfil is just outside Simcoe, and I know that there have been fire ants found in Richmond Hill and York Region. Um, now, obviously, Innisfil is north of there. I, I wonder if you, you could capture some of these ants, and then what we need to do is identify what they are, and then, see, because different ants have different ways and places they make their home. So the trick would be to find out what kind of ant it is, and then once you know that, find its life cycle and see if this is something you need to worry about and try and annihilate the nest or, or you know, whether Sounds like a pretty big they nest. move on anyway, yeah. right? Because some, some ants, they just move on. They don't stay in the same place year after right. year. So a bit of work, obviously, to catch a few and figure out what kind of ant they are and then f- figure out whether this is something that where their home might be, under the ground, you know, more likely Put a little sign else. on the lawn, you yeah. know, uh, <laughs> ant heaven, seven miles up the road, you know, and right. hopefully yeah. they move yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, the other thing would be to use the ant killer, uh, which is a, one of the borax sugar-based formulas. You've seen it, I'm sure. Uh, we use it as little drops uh, in the house where we have ants entering the house. We'll put these little drops yeah. out. Of course, the ants love this stuff. They and take it back 
to the queen and ultimately kill the colony over a process over a period of time with this borax sugar solution you can use that outside under you know little sort of Tupperware containers kind of thing. Like, you, you can't just leave it out on the soil. It will disappear. But there are ways, if you read the package on the... Uh, it is literally called Ant Killer. It should be in the stores as we speak. Um, that would be the other thing. It's just don't even worry about what kind of ants they are. Just work on trying to annihilate them. Right. And this wouldn't bother the um, the, the plants, the raspberries? No, not at all. Okay. No, Gee, the ants uh, aren't eating the plants. Yeah, right. pe- keep in touch with us, Margaret. Let us know how you... Uh, Fight the battle there. Okay. <laughs> okay. Find out if you're winning or losing. <laughs> well, I hope it's a winner. <laughs> Me too. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you, and happy Easter to you. Happy Easter to both of you. Thank, Thank you. Very you. Much. Bye. 948, you're listening to The Garden Show from AM740. Of course, uh, Charlie Dobbin, our uh, expert, is here. Uh, and uh, we welcome uh, a Roberta from Peterborough. Good morning, Roberta. Good morning. Morning. I'm Charlie and Frank. Happy Easter. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, I'm calling about roses. Now, I'm not a horticulturalist, but I do like to play in the dirt. Mm-hmm. And my roses are range from the small ones that you get in the grocery stores and plant them outside, the little tiny rosebuds, yeah. to climbers. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're all getting this black spots on their leaves. Mm. I've tried a, a couple of powders, and I've tried a couple of sprays. Mm-hmm. and I've taken the leaves off and disposed of them, mm-hmm. but I'm still getting them. So is it in the soil? Uh, it can be. Uh, it is a fungus, black mm-hmm. spot on the roses. It does overwinter on the canes of the roses, and it can even overwinter in the soil. Right. At, right now, this time of year, perfect time to use a dormant spray on your roses. <clears throat> of course, the roses are still dormant, which is what you want. Uh, and dormant spray is uh, lime sulfur and horticultural oil and water mixed together, sprayed all over the roses till they're dripping. And what you're doing is you're trying to annihilate any fungal spores that are on the plants and have overwintered on the surface, as well as kill any eggs of insects that may have done the same thing. Now, the other thing is, is that there are so many great new, what we call modern roses out there right now that are completely resistant to many of the issues that, that we have, you know, roses have suffered from in the past. Black spot, powdery mildew, uh, you know, diseases and insects. These are tough roses. Take no special care and do not get diseases. My kind of flowers. Yeah, so I was going (laughs) to say, I mean, maybe what you might want to consider is uh, replacing rather than fighting. Replace some of these roses with some of the newer varieties that are completely resistant, as I say, to the fungal diseases. Uh, The other thing is look at where your roses are planted. Make sure they're in lots and lots of sun. We're talking six hours plus direct sunlight every day. Mm -hmm. Good air. There's a couple of climbers that don't get that much. Yeah, that's right. And you will see that you'll have your worst, usually, disease problems in on the roses that are not getting adequate air circulation. They're not in a good windy spot. They're not getting enough sun. And remember, with our trimming of roses that we do in the spring, we trim them for an open growth habit. So again, wind and sun can get in there and in between all those leaves, etc., and keep the plants as healthy as possible just through our cultural methods. Okay, I will try that. Excellent. Thank you very Good much. Good luck with that. Thanks, Roberta. Okay, bye-bye now. Take care now. Uh, that uh, Roberta from uh, Peterborough. Now we go to uh, Robert from North York here on The Garden Show. Good morning, Robert. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. I have two mature trees in the backyard that were transplanted as mature trees, 
and they put in the steel rods and the wires around the trees to hold them in. How long should those things be uh, there before they're removed so the trees are just left on their own to stand? Great question. Most people leave the stakes on newly planted trees far too long. The the most, generally speaking, it's a one-year thing. All the stakes that are there to hold your tree should be left for one year. In some extreme circumstances, we might go a year and a half, but after that, should all be removed. And if you don't, I assume it, it, it pulls the tree back from actually growing, correct? Well, what it does is it encourages the tree to be weak. It encourages oh. the tree to be tall and skinny and weak. You want a tree to be subjected to wind. You want it to do some whipping back and forth because it is through that movement, that wind and, and movement, that the tree actually becomes much more stout or thick in the in the trunk. To withstand all of that. That's yeah. right. And uh, you'll also find that you'll have way better establishment of the root system to hold that plant in place if it needs it. The stakes are gone. The plant has to get some roots down to hold on. And that's the only reason we do stake it initially is because it, the plant doesn't have roots established. We give. I, I, pardon? Thank you very much for your time. You're very welcome. Okay, Thanks thank for you for call. joining the show. Um, let's see, we're at 9.52. Oh, we have to take a little bit of a break here and come right back and have a chat with Lois from Burlington uh, here on The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden, delighted to be here once again, uh, welcoming this time around Lois from Burlington. Hi, Lois. Good morning. Morning. I have a um, very healthy pyracanthus that mm-hmm. grows on the um, side of my house. The thing is that um, because of the location, I need to keep trimming it, <laughs> which, of course, I lose all the blossom and the um, nice berries. Mm-hmm. Um, my question is, what would happen if I cut it almost down to ground level, or if, should I dig it up? And so how big is the root? Um, how long has it been there? Oh, at least 30 years. Uh, yeah, I don't think you'll be very successful at moving a 30-year-old plant, actually. No, no. Uh, what my thought was was to dig it out mm-hmm. and to put another one in Oh, instead. I see. Just remove it entirely. Yeah. How about the idea... Okay, so it's on a wall. What direction... And it's like, well, actually, it, it sits at, it's at right angles to the wall, but it's on a trellis. Right. So it acts as a sort of a barrier to the um, walking... There's a... It's... Uh, fairly narrow area, so right. I have the pyracanthus, then I have a little bit of a pathway yeah, going yeah. to the back of the house. And does it get lots of light on that on that location? Oh, yeah, it, it's facing west-northwest, okay. so it gets the afternoon yeah. sun. Which is exactly perfect, because it wants that nice hot, oh, yeah. sunny and spot. That, that's why I end up trimming it at probably twice a year, just to keep it from going absolutely wild. See, the fact that there's a trellis there means that when that plant was planted way back 30 years ago, it had probably already been trained to be a fairly flat 
plant against the wall. Uh. It's what we call espalier, when a plant, a woody plant, is trained to grow in a flat form. You, right. pe- people do it with fruit trees, right? This was from way, way back. The Jesuits used to have these courtyard gardens, and they'd have all these fruit trees lined along the walls, and only the p- branches that were running parallel to the walls were left in place. Uh-huh. Everything that was growing perpendicular to the wall was cut away. And that's exactly what can well should have been done and perhaps still could be done with your pyracanthus. Well, it, if I cut cut it right back, then mm-hmm. I would end up with bare branches because once you get um, sometimes when I do try and trim it, then mm-hmm. I end up with holes in it. Right, but you see. That- I'd be inclined to, like I say, remove all the branches that are growing away from the wall. Like go, I mean, you're right. It sounds simple, but I'm sure there's a lot more going on in terms of the vertical stems and how you would do this. But keeping in mind that you can remove up to a third. And if it's a very vigorous plant, you could go even slightly more than a third in terms of the removal of branches that are growing in the wrong direction. Because you want it to be able to grow. You just don't want it to grow out into the walkway. Well, yeah, and and the height as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say probably it is at least three feet thick. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So a big pruning job. Yeah, well, it's, uh, so it's not going to be an instant pruning job, but it, over a period of three years, you uh-huh. can remove a hundred percent, right, okay. of the plant. Uh-huh. Or as you pointed out originally, just. Give it up. It's too overgrown. It's too big a job. Just take it right out and replace with something like, say, climbing hydrangea. Oh, actually not. It's too sunny there. But um, many clematis could grow beautifully in there or something that, you know, again, on, on the vine idea, on the wall, uh, something that would enjoy the sun. Yeah. Roses. Uh, I, I wondered, is there a less vigorously growing pyrocanthus? Because I like, like the plant. Mm-hmm. It's just this one. It's probably more of an age thing. The, the yeah. vigor should be sufficient. Su- fairly similar across the board regardless of the variety uh-huh. it's it's a matter of pruning and training right from the beginning when it's a young plant okay so that to never let it get three feet thick right keep it okay. as flat to the wall as you possibly can so it's only coming out a foot at the most preferably even eight inches so oh, that it's okay. a very very flat to the wall plant yeah okay. so uh so how big a root ball would it be if i just decide to well, again. well, I wouldn't do it myself. This is where you hire, hire a son or <laughs> rent a son or get a kid in the neighborhood. You know, you cut it down to ground level because it's so prickly, uh-huh. and then it's getting in there with the shovel. It, some roots can be left behind. The main thing is to get the main chunk of root out so that new soil can go in and something new can be planted. Okay. Okay. Okay, great. Sounds Thanks good. Thanks a lot, Lois. Thank good luck much. with that. Beautiful plant. Right. All right. Thank Thank you very much. Uh, I have a feeling that some listeners are holding out on me. They're not (laughs) mentioning it. They're first-time callers. I know. know, In fact, we had one listener who was a regular caller actually asked Asked for the the bell. bell. Yeah. So next time around, folks, I'm going to start finding a way to to test all this. (laughs) Make sure that you're not fibbing to me. And in the meantime, you're Mm. still here for a little while? Yeah, I come back at uh, noon Mm -hmm. for the diner, and Mm -hmm. I'm going to kick it off in a great fashion Mm -hmm. with uh, Al Jolson and Easter Parade. Oh, lovely. Yeah, and uh, as long as we're wishing everybody a happy Easter weekend, let us uh, also say um, a very happy Hanukkah to uh, (laughs) Hanukkah. Passover. Passover. There, I... (laughs) What's with me this morning? My brain, <laughs> You're the one my who brain is addled. I know. <laughs> happy Passover. Yeah, that's yes, what I mean. indeed. Yeah. Happy everything. Happy spring. Happy beautiful weather. And um, happy trails to Dan. Yeah, Dan, have a great time out in PEI. Heading heading east, and and welcome to our newest 
You James Patrick Dooley. <laughs> He'll be here again next week, of course. And we'll be back again. So thank and you so much, Frank. Thank for you, my friend. For your wonderful undergardener skills. And to James and Dan, thanks very much. And to all our great callers. Have a wonderful weekend. And we'll see you all next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Happy birthday to you. Hey, Bye. where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.